Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast that discusses faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility in the hopes of inspiring and equipping you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of beyond the rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry, and in just a moment, Brandon is going to join me as we have a conversation with podcast host Meg Glesner. We met Meg through the Christian Podcasters Association, where she's one of the administrators for that Facebook group. She's also the host of Letters from Home podcast, and we invited her onto the show because, one, it's a celebration of her 31 years of marriage with Michael, but also because her story in so many ways connects a lot of the dots from our past four-part series on marriage and healthy marriage. So sit back and relax as we have a conversation with Meg about the secret sauce to 31 years of marital bliss with a lot of kids. You're going to find out how many kids in just a moment. Here we go. All right, Brandon, uh, don't do it. You have so much to live for. Get off the chair, please. <laughs> just the audience can't even see the chair. I love it. Now that I'm an adult, I can stand in chairs. <laughs> you know, there's a subreddit called Why Women Live Longer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's my favorite one. I can lose so much time on that thing. My, my um, thought is to do any research into why women live longer is just ridiculous. Just, just, just be alive and you can see yeah. boys jumping off of houses and stuff. Grown men hanging out of cars to get a good video shot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty bad. I got a four foot ladder. It's six foot high. I'll just stand on the top of it. (laughs) So to bring in some wisdom into this conversation, we've got Meg Lesnar calling in from Washington State. How are you doing, Meg? Doing great. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. Um, you're actually the last interview we've got on our recording day. Um, so I'm just going to pre-apologize if uh, Brandon and I seem like we're getting distracted by every squirrel possible because that is what is happening to us right now. <laughs> we've been in this fort all day. Yeah, we got a fort. We built a fort. I'm so excited. Yeah, if um, you go to our Facebook page, you will see our fort. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Did you build a fort, Meg? I did. I have always built forts. And believe me, there's plenty of squirrels around here up in the Northwest distracting nice. on all all areas. <laughs> We're in good company then. Yes. <laughs> We're all in trouble. <laughs> uh, so now the reason why we invited you on is uh, we've connected with you through um, the Christian Podcasters Association Facebook group uh, that was founded by Eric Nevins. Uh, so shout out to Eric. Thank you, Eric, for this connection. Um and so in that, I have gotten to see your posts in that group. I've seen your commentary in the group. I've seen you help other podcasters, especially those who are launching. And I've had the um, opportunity to listen to some of the interviews you've been on where you were interviewed. And um, it just made sense that we needed to get you on our show because uh, Brandon and I just recorded a four-part series about healthy marriage geared towards men, but really applicable to both men and women. Um, it's preceded by an interview we did with Bill Hutchison about, um, you know, healthy marriages and purposeful marriage. And then I was like, you know what? Meg's been married 31 years. She's raised eight children. They've got grandkids now. She is a great culmination of all the topics we've been discussing. Yep. Let's have her on the show. You said yes. We, we didn't let you back out of that. So <laughs> thank you for coming on to, to join us to talk about healthy marriages, specifically like your story of your marriage and the lessons learned after 31 years and counting. So thank you. Hey, I'm so happy to be on and to bring balance to this series. I mean, you know, we got to represent the ladies here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you can prove we really don't m- know much about what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just listened to your episode, Dad of Divas, and it was so great. Really enjoy the show. Awesome. Yeah, Thanks. Chris is a good guy. We uh, Well, I met him through a uh, dad blogging group, and I've been staying in contact with him for years. Didn't dawn on me to invite him on the show until five years later. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry. Well, we got Meg because she's had 31 blissful, perfect years of marriage, has raised eight perfect kids that have given her no problems whatsoever. And she's going to tell us the secret to all of that in one word or less. 
<laughs> okay, the end. No. <laughs> yeah. No, no, nobody has a fiction. story like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, right? And then people tend to think, you know, those couples that have been married for, you know, two, three, four decades, they had a picture perfect life. Right. But uh that probably hasn't been the case for you. I know uh, Liv and I will be able to say 19 years in November of 2020. Um, and, you know, it's had its ups and downs, but overall we'd say it's a good marriage. Um, we would or you would? Because well, she might not say that. I know. I might be oblivious. <laughs> <laughs> if we're referring back to that other episode. There you go. Um, but uh, she, she told me this morning she loved me, so I'm going <laughs> to roll go. with it. I'm going with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I you- heard at a couple's retreat that I went to a couple of years ago that when they ask men and women, the women give a lower rating by about 30% than the men do as far as how good the marriage is. Wow. BT Dubs, just letting you know. That makes sense. <laughs> that tells you. That's also why they have not been on this podcast with us because they may, you know, shatter some of our dreams. Oh, our own lives? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not the fact that they're introverted. Yeah. Yeah they, yeah. they would never do it otherwise. But. Squash our dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Matt, tell us a little bit about how you and your husband met and, and kind of what went into building that. Uh, marriage from the very beginning that maybe you know now, but you didn't know then. I was raised in Southern California from, I would say, kind of a tumbleweed childhood. And I really had a rough upbringing that included alcoholism and all kinds of abuse and terrible things. And my husband, Mike, he grew up from more of a wholesome, big family, farm town, Minnesota. And we uh, met in college. And I I grew up in that difficult situation. And uh, when I was seven, 16 years old, I gave my life to Christ. And my life kind of turned around at that point. And when I went to college, one of the very first things I did was go to a Bible study to look for, uh, to find some Christian friends. And one of the first people I met was this friendly uh a guy who had this Hawaiian shirt on at a prayer meeting and he walks up and says, Hey, uh, my name's Mike and my California space bubble. I was feeling like, Whoa, I need, this is a little too much. You know, I said, <laughs> hi and, um, met. Yeah. So we met in Bible study and it didn't take long before I got to really see his heart and how much he cared about people and how he served and how he truly listened to people. And, I, I really did think that first day that I met him, hey, Hawaiian shirt and all, maybe that's the one I'm supposed to marry. So that's, that's where we met in college and we served. He was a couple of years ahead of me in college and we served to, there for a couple of years. And as a freshman, I did something kind of unusual. I made the commitment because I had had such a hard upbringing and I really wanted to get my life with God straight before I introduced, uh, or, a relationship. And so I made a commitment not to date until my senior year of college. Wow. So uh, let's just say along the way, there was a lot of interest, but I always had Mike in the back of my heart. And uh, my senior year of college, I was 22 and we started dating and he told me, I wanted to see what's behind the big green eyes and the smile. And he said, I like this about you and this about you and this about you. And three months later, he told me he loved me and I knew he meant it because he's a man of his word. And then, yeah, I graduated from college in June of 1989 and we got married in July. So that's, awesome. that's how we met. So how many people told you that was a mistake because you got married so quick? I don't remember anyone saying it was, well, a mistake except for my father who, and is an atheist and he didn't agree with the Christian thing. So he was pretty upset about that. But I, I am a very purposeful person. And so is my husband and my husband lived with the family. And I went and talked to the guy of the couple that he lived with and said, what do you think of him? What do you think of his character? And he, he did the same. I live with the family from church and he went and talked with them. And so we kind of really proceeded purposefully. And on the day he proposed, he, I mean, I had no idea he was going to propose and we sat down and he, uh, we had a picnic lunch and he said, these are my values. I really, I really want my home to bless the world and I really want to serve God and I really want to live like 
this isn't my home. And he said, what do you think about all that? And I said, that's really great. And still no clue. (laughs) And then he proposed to me and really we've started off our marriage very purposeful. We had six college students live with us when, and I, I got pregnant within the first month of marriage and we had six college students living with us and we were reading books together and would have like a house family meeting where we'd talk about uh, hospitality or um, how to how to mentor somebody. And so we, we, we really have started off our marriage pretty purposeful and we never, we never besides my dad who was, and he since regrets not supporting <laughs> me. And, and to this day, he loves my husband more than any other man on earth besides his son. So, that's awesome. Um, well, you would yeah, have so to say the math worked advice. out that he was wrong. I mean, 31 years will kind of prove him wrong, I would think. So, yeah. uh, you'd have to swallow that one and just say, ah, I missed it. I know a few people that have been married for 30 plus years, and this fascinates me, but they got they started dating and got married like within six months of each other. And it just fascinates me because they're all purpose, very purposeful in their yeah. actions and they're all blissfully happy. You know, they're not perfect. They've gone through all kinds of tried some of major tragedy and stuff, but they are so close and so loving with each other, even though by, you know, so many standards, six months is not long enough, mm-hmm. but they all been married for 30 plus years. So what do you, yeah, you know, not every formula works out great. Yeah. And, you know, they also have known each other for a number of years, too, I'm sure, yeah. or a number of months before they became a couple. And it sounds like that was the case for you, Meg and Mike, um, was that you knew him through this uh, Bible group uh, for years before you actually reached out to him and started dating him. Is that correct? Yes, we 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 knew each other for a few years and we were friends and we hung out in the same groups and that kind of thing. And, you know, this may sound really crazy. And we, well, we, and we did have our three kids, two and under, if you can imagine it, how we started off. But it's this, I know this is an unusual experience and I know everyone's got trials in life. Marriage has been on the lower end for me of trials, but I, I think it took about seven years before I realized that my husband actually had problems. And it sounds really funny to say that, but he's, I would go to like a couples meeting and they'd talk about these big problems and, I didn't know what they were talking about. And for me, you know, you talk about beyond, beyond the rut, the rut of the history of my family with broken relationships and divorces. And my mom was married four times. My dad had so, so many girlfriends and a couple of divorces and it was a lot. So for me, having that as a gift, I was so grateful for wholeness and love. And I do think the tone that my husband set for our marriage and how we related, it really established our marriage in a strong way. I like that. That that sounds exactly what people need to hear. And I would encourage someone that's uh, uh, thinking about marriage or wants to get married to think in terms of character. You know, it's not looks, it's not money, it's not, you know, fame or whatever, it's character. And and if you know who they are, then a lot of that other mystery will either be your fault because you chose somebody that had poor character or that you will know some of the decision-making process. You know, why do we move here? Or why do we go to work mm-hmm. here or do this? It's it, And it sounds to me like your marriage is based on a set of principles. So everything just kind of goes through that. So you don't have to figure out, is this something we want to do or not do? Because you're, you're guided by those principles. One of the things that frustrates me is is when I see couples break up and you're like, y'all should have never been together because you both showed each other who you were. And then you pretended like it wasn't true. You know, you, you can't date somebody that has a problem mm. with anger and then get mad at them when you get married and they're an angry husband. It's like you you didn't believe them when they showed you who they were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know people who um, actually met on a dating app. Turns out they both lied about themselves on yeah, the dating app. Exactly. And it was not until they got married that they started to realize that, wait – so you've never graduated high school? Yeah. No. You Why? said you went to Notre like, Dame. But what? you said you had some college <laughs> in your um, your 
uh, what you call it profile and and then you know she's in jail it was just like learning things about each other that were totally against what they fell in love with in the profile and it was just like man your whole marriage is built on lies no way <laughs> the, the other thing i would say to anyone looking at, at getting married and listening to this one of the things you did and he did was go talk to people who knew and then believe them you know, if you're going to go talk to the family he lives with and they say, well, you know, he has trouble maintaining his attitude and he's kind of lazy and he, he spouts off every once in a while, believe him and, and, and do something with that. We have a good friend. Uh, she's been married and since divorced and her husband turned out to be exactly who everybody said he would be. And I always say he's consistent. I don't like his character. Mm. I don't like anything he did, but he's the same as he was the day you met him. You're the one that didn't believe him. And so you wanted to change him and it was too hard. But when you marry on purpose and you marry with a purpose, yeah. it makes it so much easier to kind of get through kids and life and jobs and health and stuff like that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash CapShow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Absolutely. And, you know, but over over time, so, you know, you have the same values, right? And we set our home based on the values. And so that guides guides all the things. But at some point, you realize, you know, we are two completely different people. The way we go about things, the way we would organize a work day or a let's, let's uh, prepare for guest day. And at some point you realize we go about things so differently. And those are the things that can sneak in and really start to erode things, right? Right. What's something you were doing early on, like in the first five to 10 years of your marriage that you, you learned you shouldn't do or wasn't, wasn't benefiting your marriage and maybe you stopped or maybe something you weren't doing that you started doing that added value? One thing we did early on, we, we would read books together, even during engagement, love life for every married couple and start talking about, you know, the physical aspect of marriage. Oh, what is your experience? What, you know, working through that kind of stuff. And, and like I said, we got pregnant right away. And so then we started reading a parenting book on a date night together. And really, I think date nights are one thing that has been so, so helpful, whether we had money or not in all the different stages to spend a portion of our night talking about life and things we're going through, maybe having a time of prayer. And then, you know, at some point saying, okay, that's it. Now we're just going to enjoy one another and have fun, but not having the date nights be just entertainment, but to be something else. Or maybe one of us is extra stressed and we just really need to talk about work or whatever. And we, we take that time with each other. So that's one thing that's been super helpful. Now, do you still do that after 30 plus years? Do, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. Do you, do you still do date night after 30 plus years? Absolutely. Quarantine, <laughs> date night, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's more in. And now the kids, it's great. I, I probably the hardest stage to get to do that. And if there's parents out there with high school students, you know, they start, they're not going to bed at seven o'clock anymore. <laughs> and, you know, they're up late and you're like, well, I'm going to, I guess I'll stay up to the last one goes to bed. Then you're like, wow, this is getting late. And, <laughs> and really, Really being purposeful because if you don't in high school, there is a hundred things that will want to steal the attention of your heart and your family, sports, entertainment, 
I don't want to, I don't feel like it. And for us, it's been a principle of we are always lovers before parents. That has been a principle that has guided us. And sometimes it's so hard when the kids were little and Hey, there was a time people when there weren't cell phones and I'm 53 (laughs) and it really wasn't that long ago where our, we'd had eight kids and the house was a mess and everyone wasn't in the best, you know, mood. And we would just say, we're going to just go out to dinner and we'd, maybe call from the restaurant because there was only landlines back then. And our kids were responsible enough where we could leave, we could leave them at a certain point. And when the kids were really little, we would swap with a couple. Again, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be a fancy thing. It's just spending time together. Right. And that's so valuable, especially if you're hearing this and you're like, but we just got married or we just had a kid and this kid is the center of the universe and the greatest thing that's ever happened in the world. When you look at each other, hopefully what you think, and I've said this a million times to my kids, they'll, they'll attest to that. I hope she stays longer than you. So I'm going to pour more into this relationship <laughs> than I am to you. And I have friends that, you know, oh, I would never do that to my kid. I tell my kid he's the center of the world and all that. And I'm like, but at some point, he's going to leave you, hopefully for a wife and a family, and he does his thing, and you're going to want your marriage to last. So you need to invest in your marriage from day one and invest in your children the additional side of that. Don't make them the center of your world. And and so now you have eight kids, and, and what are their ages? Where do they range in age? They're ranged from age 30 to age 14. So we have two teenagers left at home. We just started virtual school last (laughs) week, a senior in high school and a freshman in high school. And then we have just found out last week, we have grandkid number five along the way. We have daughter in Eastern Canada. We have one in Texas. We have somebody in Fairbanks, Alaska, and San Diego. It's Wow. It's a, it's a party. It's a worldwide party for us. I would imagine. Well, clearly <laughs> one of those kids was really the smartest because they ended up in Texas, I'm assuming. So uh, we'll, we'll give them a pass because they knew what they're doing. What's the life. saying? I wasn't born here, but I got here as quick yeah, as I could. Exactly. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I like the one about you don't have to ask if somebody's from Texas. They'll tell you before oh, yeah. you even oh, ask yeah. the question. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the most annoying thing when I lived yep. in California. I was like, ah, it's another Texan. Great. <laughs> We're here. And now I'm like one of those guys. (laughs) So uh, tell us a little bit about something maybe you did that was creative or maybe it wasn't as much creative as just a necessity. But when you're first year of marriage and you're finding out you're having a kid and you don't really have much money, how did you kind of celebrate each other to show each other that you were still the most important thing in the world to each other? We would just go for a walk with a stroller or, you know, in the, in the neighborhood or ask someone to babysit and go, go for a walk and just sit at a park. And I remember going to Taco Bell and we each ordered two items. So from the dollar menu and that was <laughs> date night. And we had a, a book, maybe a parenting book and we'd just sit and we would just say, say that we, we love each other. And I guess part of it goes back to, Something you said earlier with, you know, what are some things that you don't do? Well, you know, when we got married, we were given the charge. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Say I love you to each other every day and never leave during an argument. And as time goes gone, that one was a little harder for me than some of the other ones. But it's it's tricky when, right, when you get... When, when you at an impasse at something, you're not seeing a parenting thing the same way, that kind of thing. And you really have to say, I know we'll, we'll work through this and I'm not going to hold it against you. And we're not going to, we're not going to ever not sleep in the same bed or, you know, you just put safeguards in, in your life to help, help keep you there. But yeah, just, it was very simple early in marriage, like nothing, nothing, 
nothing fancy. Yeah. And, and that's such great advice because I know somebody's listening saying, well, you know, she had this or he had that and I don't have that advantage, but the, the walk around the block or the Taco Bell menu, and we've done the same thing, gone to Subway, you split a six inch sub and boom, there's dinner, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be a lot. It's quality over quantity and that kind of thing. But how do you get past when uh, he's completely wrong, not that this has ever happened in my house, and you just <laughs> cannot let it go, but you know you should. Like, did was there anything that really spoke to you about putting that in perspective? When we were engaged, you know, sometimes when you're young, you just say something profound. And he said this to me. It was the day. He had proposed to me and it was a long day and we had told all of our friends from church and it was just the two of us. And we had 15 minutes alone at the park and he looked at me and he held my hand and he looked into my eyes and you know, you're uncomfortable because you're just, you're looking into each other's <laughs> eyes. And he said, Meg, first of all, we're not going to talk about any, we got married six weeks later. We're not going to talk about wedding planning for two weeks. We're going to enjoy the beauty of being engaged. And he said, and I asked two things of you. Trust me and trust God for me. And that is something that has wow. come up for me over and over again. <laughs> I'll give you an example of something that is what you're saying, an impasse where this is something that comes up regularly. I'm sure nobody else can relate to this, but getting ready for a party, right? <laughs> the house is a mess. I'm trying to make six dishes. The kids aren't all doing exactly what they're supposed to, to contribute. And then my husband is waiting to the last minute to start helping me. Well, you should have just asked for help. So then he gets upset because I'm frustrated and I'm frustrated because he's not helping more. So it's, it's kind of a both, both people have a problem. And I know that's probably his biggest thing is he doesn't want me to be frustrated. So he's trying to keep me from being frustrated. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't be as frustrated if you would help clean earlier. <laughs> but if you, if you ask me to help clean early, I'm afraid you're just going to keep giving me more and more things and I'll never be done. So this is the kind of thing that's come up over and over again. And I make a conscious choice in the middle of that. And we've had hours and hours and hours of conversations. But my choice and the way I resolve it in my head is that I know he wants to help me and he's available to help me. And he knows I don't want to be frustrated. So we stop and take a moment and choose to believe the best about one another. So that's for me, how I resolve it when we get to that impasse because we are a team. That's a great way of putting it. You're both in it for each other. You know, you're both are a big fan of the other one. And and sometimes we get mad at each other and, and we forget that. Wait, he's totally for me. She's totally for me. Her intentions were not to do something stupid or say something stupid or whatever. It's like, so I got to believe the best about them. And there's not a lot of people in the world you can believe the best about, but you should be able to believe the best in your spouse that they have for you. That That's really good advice. Now, speaking of... um purposeful teams, being on the same team, being purposeful in marriage. Uh, what role did uh, worshiping together and serving together play in the 31 years you've had so far and the, the many years to come? Wow. You know, that makes, it makes such a difference, right? When you, we go to church together every Sunday and we've done that our whole marriage. I mean, yeah, we're like everyone else, the kids fussing, somebody, does somebody have a shoe? Maybe I've got a bad <laughs> attitude because it's just, you're rushed out the door and we stop and we take a moment and we pray in the car on the way to church. So just, just starting that as, as a foundation uh, makes a huge difference when we, we have devotions in our house Monday through Friday and we have that in the morning and we start off together. We sit next to each other as a couple, the kids hop around and we open, open the Bible and share a verse and have a prayer time. We've been praying for all that's going on with COVID, you know, in countries we've been doing this ever since we had little ones. And now yesterday, one of our sons shared what he was getting um, out of devotions or going, doing something like going on a, a mission trip together. Or one of our traditions is on Thanksgiving, we go serve a meal downtown for Thanksgiving. And 
you know, we keep things real simple around the holidays. Like for Christmas, we don't really do a gift exchange or set up a tree. We just have a time of service. And I was afraid, oh no, the kids are going to grow up and they're not going to want to <laughs> come home because we're not, you know, we don't have the the fancy this or the, or whatever. But they said, mom, no, we like to come home now because it's different. And so I think serving as a couple, it, when as a wife, you see your husband and we're working together and the kids, it just feels so right. And I think so much of church can be separate, you know, like, oh, the, the kids are going to do this. And then the women are off here having the coffee and then the guys are doing the camping. And it's just all of these things separate. And there's many, many good things, right? right. But I think the value of being together as a family or having some kind of a ministry where you're serving together as a couple, it strengthens who you are and in what you're doing. Absolutely. And that's your first ministry. You know, churches are great. Obviously I I'm a pastor. I work at a church, but my first ministry is my marriage is, is my family. And then the church should come second to that. I haven't always gotten that right in my life. There was a time when I tried to do everything at church, and then my wife was going in one direction, and I was going in another direction. We were doing what, quote-unquote, church stuff, but not together. And so we've since rearranged a lot of that stuff. But that the statement that he made about not planning or talking about the wedding for two weeks, it reminded me of the whole concept of redeeming time because we all have hmm. a certain amount of money. We all have a certain amount of stuff, but time is finite. You can't get more of it, blah, blah, blah. But he was redeeming that two weeks knowing at no point in his life could he get those two weeks back. He couldn't recreate it 20 years later or simulate it in a way. It's like he wanted to take that two weeks and enjoy it and just rest in the accomplishment and the moment rather than let's hurry up and get to the next thing. And that I, I, I hear that rhythm in the way you talk and the stories you tell that, that you're, you're living in the moment rather than trying to hurry up and get to the next thing. Well, we have just as much rush as anyone else to right. know our kids are in uh, school and music and honors and they're leading at youth group. And sometimes it gets really hectic, but we really do try and protect and you have to fight for it. <laughs> you have to fight for having a dinner together. You have to fight. for. We had to move our devotions to 645. We've had to move birthday parties of eight-year-olds to 10 p.m. at night so we can see everyone. But you have to really fight for that. In time as a couple, you you really have to fight fight for it. Sometimes I'm like, I, I don't feel like going out. He said, let's just go to dinner. And so then I'm grumpy for 15 minutes. <laughs> and then I say, thank you for working through that. And we, and he values keeping, keeping, protecting the family time, protecting our love, you know, getting a lock on the door, you know, all the things to, prioritize and it's not perfect it's certainly a work in progress but we have that commitment to one another and to god to continue i love that uh, way you put that though you do have to fight for it nobody's giving you an hour anytime anywhere you have to take that hour and and just own it and and like you said protect it because other things good things we're not talking about terrible things jumping in but really good things church things school things kid things if you don't protect that nobody else will and they will eventually overrun it and i had five kids and I, so i can just imagine with eight if you don't lock that door they're in your room all the time it's like no 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 uh uh-uh. i will come out and talk to you but i don't want you in here cuz you'll get comfortable and then next thing you know you'll stay <laughs> And I don't want you to stay. That's why I got you your own room. You you go to your room. But you have to fight for that. Marriage is tough. It is it is a commitment that takes all day, every day. And you have to protect all those hours rather than just give them away for nothing. And that's why I love the concept of redeeming time because I, I ask people this usually when they tell me they hurt their back or they just had surgery or something. I'll say, hey, can you help me move this weekend? And they'll say, uh, yeah. I'm like, no, the answer is no, you can't. You don't want to. <laughs> that was a test. You failed. <laughs> it's okay to say no to stuff, even good stuff. And I'm not moving. So you're okay anyway. You're off the hook. 
And I think one thing it's easy to fall into and parents make the mistake because when your kids are in high school, they're amazing. They're wonderful or college. You're looking at them. They're becoming adults. Yeah. And, and sometimes there's stress and tension and they're figuring out that as well. But I think it's easy to, you just are so excited about the kids and you're talking about them and working around them. But when we don't prioritize ourselves, we miss out on a great lesson for them. We think we're parenting them just by talking to them about their things and going to their things. But there is so much parenting, especially in the age of COVID and people being online and depressed and not having examples in their life of what love is. So when the kids see us together and they see, oh, wow, mom and dad are going out or uh, mom and dad are just going to hang out in the hot tub tonight because they need to have some talking time. It gives them a little, there's so much parenting that happens. It's kind of a reverse, a reverse way things work, but it's, mm-hmm. it's one of the greatest things. And they need to see that image of us saying, you know, like if my husband slaps me, you're like, you know, like, not like, ew, or if, <laughs> exactly. you know, on the bottom, like, hey, or hey, pretty girl, like, just the way we talk to one another, yep. or how we work out the fact of, wait, no, there was 10 people at the party. No, there was 20 people. And to see us work through that tension, that is so important and such a gift to our children to have a picture in their hearts and their minds of what love is. I like the, uh, not just the influence that your relationship with Mike has had on the children, but also the influence that they have had on others because I've seen with my own kids. So I, I mentioned earlier, Liv and I are going to celebrate um, 19 years of marriage in November. Wow. That is so wow. cool. Hopefully. Lucky me. I mean, there's too much. No, hey, no, no, hey I'm, I'm taking saying. her to Disney World. That's going to at least buy me a six to seven <laughs> month window to there. Christmas at least. So, and then, yeah, Christmas is going to buy me a few more months. So it's, it's as long as I pay, as long as I paid attention, we're good. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I've noticed though, like as my kids are growing up and then we started letting their friends come over. Um, you know, one of the things early on was like, my son still does it to this day where he'll just publicly tell us, I love you. And I remember when he was in high school though, and he was telling us in front of his friends, his, his guy friends, I love you, dad. And his guy friends were like, you tell your dad, I love you. And I was like, Oh, moment of truth for uh, my son here. And yep. I, cause I, I, as I was closing the door, I just kind of eavesdropped a little bit cause I'm nosy like that. <laughs> and my son just turned to his friend and he said, yeah, why? Yeah. Like make, it was just a matter of make fact. Make it normal. Yeah. It was totally yeah. normal for him. Like, yeah, yeah I'm not embarrassed. Uh, why? Why do you say something? And then I was wondering how this kid was going to respond to my son. And the kid said, I just wish my dad did that to me. Yep. And I was like, I'm going to go cry now. And I went back to, Aww. I went back to my room. Liv was in there just chilling out. I was like, Liv, I got to cry. I got to cry. I was at the door. <laughs> Don't let Jacob in. And she's like, why? And I told her what happened. And she goes, Oh, I'm like, shut up. You're going to make me cry. And so me just telling the story, I'm getting all teary eyed right now. Um, but then also, uh, you know, our kids as they've gone out and they've, they've dated and are dating. And from time to time, their, their dating partner, I guess, I was like, I don't know what you call them. Uh, they would actually gripe or get mad. And one of the grievances was how perfect the parents are. Like, oh, your parents love each other. And it's like, yeah. Sorry, we're not <laughs> drinking, throwing bottles at yeah. each other. <laughs> and, and my, my son or my daughter, depending on the relationship, uh, they're like, what's wrong with that? Like, isn't that what you're aiming for and to these kinds of things? And, the, and then they're just like, yeah, actually I'm just jealous you have it. And I don't, and you're mm-hmm. like, Oh wow. Like, so we're not just leaving this impression on our own kids, but the people they interact with, the people they yep. date, they're getting a sense for the impact of our parenting. And, and we never really think about like, we don't get arrogant and say, Oh, look at us. We're great. It's just <laughs> when it comes back to us, we're like, Oh wow, this is having a much bigger impact than we thought. So going back to a marriage with purpose, then you realize, ah, oh, the purpose of my marriage isn't just for happiness or my own pleasure or my wife's pleasure. Um, you know, the purpose of my marriage goes way beyond that. I'm influencing generations that I don't even mm-hmm. know about. Yep. And the same for you. And Meg, your story is great because you didn't come from that. You you created that. Yeah, breaking you know, the cycle. You, you went into it essentially, and I kind of did the same thing. My my father wasn't the greatest guy in the world, but I did kind of the opposite of what he did <laughs> and went at it a different way. But you built that in that now your kids can grow up and, and know that. Now, maybe they don't follow it exactly, but they at least have the good example. You've planted all those seeds for them. They do. And like you said, it's it's not 
perfect, you know, and I, I don't, it's not like I want to take any credit for that. I feel like we were in a good place of teaching. So we got, our, you know, put these things in place in our marriage to start off well, but I, oh, I love what you're saying so much. And I, it's been one of the blessings the last summer in our home is there are, my sons are in football and wrestling. We've got heavyweights and linemen and they've had their friends over this summer. And my son, Jordan, our son, Jordan is 17 and he'll have a hot tub of truth. So the guys come over, they'll have cooking night. Can you believe that teenage wow. boys on the wow. cook? Smart guys. <laughs> yeah. And actually my son started a YouTube lineman cooking channel, my two sons, which is super <laughs> hilarious. That's, that's um, awesome. <laughs> and, but just having your home be a place of welcome. And like you said, and you're just being you, but what they see and you don't know that they see, we had these fellows over for dinner and we're just sitting there, no phones. We sat out on our deck for an hour just talking. And my son said, mom, Wyatt, he said, nobody really asks about him. He's so thankful that you ask how he's doing. And you just think you're just, you just want to know how he's doing. How's his family doing? How's the restaurant? And that kind of thing. So you just open up your heart and your home and it has, it has impact. And now we've got grandkids that pop in here and there, or our kids want to come home or the college kids, kind of what you were saying. Uh, one of our kids said, I just don't think I can find a guy out there like my brother or like you, right. dad. Exactly. And so, you know, and you hear things like that, or like one of the guys who live with us once and when he left and we had five kids at the time and it's one of the greatest compliments of my life. And again, I step back and I just share that as something cool that he said, you make me want to have a family. Wow. And, you know, you're just like, okay, wow. Well, there's something here and believe me, we've had plenty of pain in our lives and all kinds of things. And the kids, we've got all, all a variety of things happening. And, um, but I'm grateful and I don't think any time that we put into our home or our marriage to be better, to, to love more, to not, you know, sound like I'm scolding my husband when I'm, or that I'm complaining or I'm giving him a honey-do list that he doesn't want to do, you know, like working right. on all those little things makes such a difference. And it, like you were saying, it has more impact besides just our marriage or home. It can affect generations and communities, really. That's so good. And, and obviously, in this day and time, we need more of that. I mean, I think we probably always have, but now more than ever, we really do. You know, you said a couple of things that uh, my wife touches on a lot. When somebody comes, because um, my oldest was a lineman, so they were all a bunch of big guys. But when one of his friends comes by or sees us in the store or something, and, and my son's 26, so he's obviously not with us. But whenever one of his friends stops by just to say hi, that is a huge compliment because I don't stop by and say hi to too many people's parents that I grew up around, you know, and so it's always the positive ones that, that do that kind of thing. But the other thing that this is a big pet peeve for my wife is when somebody criticizes their husband in public, mm. that just drives her mm. crazy. She will jump on that in a heartbeat. And I'm not saying she never criticizes me because there are things I need to improve on and all that <laughs> kind of stuff, but that's between us. She would never talk bad about me in public wow. to, to, especially to a bunch of people that maybe don't know us or something. It's like, that's just not something she would do. And talking that positivity into each other also our kids you know if you're around well you know jerry's kind of a brat or he's failing or whatever at school and he's not any good at football or whatever you're you're putting that out there and and maybe he needs to improve his grades or whatever it is but that's between you and your kid don't publicly talk negative about anybody and that will benefit you in life you know there's just no reason for that that is so good. And that is also tell your wife, it's also, I don't want to say a pet peeve of mine because I like, I'm in a couple of mom's groups and I love the moms. But one thing my husband knows I will never do, I won't complain about him or about the kids. <clears throat> now, do we talk about things? Sure. Yeah. And at some point, and there's people out there who are having crazy difficult time with their teenagers or a toddler and they're just crying and, and just devastated. And, there's a difference between saying, I need help. Right. My kid, this is going on. And, or 
you know, my husband last night, we, you know, we worked through this whole thing, but we, we got there. It's, you know, to not be, oh, I, I'm, I'm better than you. Cause I'm not talking, you know, it's right. like, exactly. we don't want pride, pride in there, but, but my husband knows that. And, and it's this weird thing. I, we were just talking about it today where even if I'm with my friend, friends, there's a sense in my heart that Mike's with me there and I'm representing the family or, you know, that kind, that kind of a thing. So I do share vulnerable things and that's important for relationships to grow, but not complaining, not complaining. Right. And that always makes my sins skin crawl. And it's kind of like, <laughs> kind of like whining for children. If you just oh, don't yeah. give into it, it goes away. Right. If you, exactly. if you're reply to it, it grows. And I love the way you put that because you do have to have people in your life that you can be authentic with and open and honest with, but you don't need to make that public. Don't put it on Facebook. You know, he did this or he did that. You just, but have some friends that you are authentic with that you, you share your struggles and ask for help. And, and, and in a way you can discuss anything in a positive way, but just honestly and all that. My my big concern and my big focus is don't negatively talk publicly. That that's oh, yeah. really mm-hmm. about anything. It's like, oh, I hate this candidate for office. Well, what do you like about the one you support? You know, I don't like this company. Well, what do you like about the company you do like? You know, just spin it in a way and because as as we all know, there's plenty of negativity out there. So add a little bit of positive to it, especially when you have a kid in your house that maybe he doesn't have that in his family. So for you to pile on and be like everybody else doesn't really benefit him in a way that if you were different than everybody else and said, you know, I'm understanding that he's not A, B, and C, but he is strong in these areas. I'm going to point him out. I'm going to ask about him. I'm going to encourage them. And then there was silence. <laughs> Knowledge bomb right there. Boom. But um, <laughs> I, I think what I love the most about your story is you're you're just authentic. You you are what you are. You're not trying to say your marriage is perfect or your family's all been perfect. You've just done it for a very specific purpose. Now you also share a lot of that in your own podcast. So tell us a little bit about what got your podcast started and yeah, why you did it. Home. Yeah, we a couple of years ago I was just I had never really even heard about a podcast and was thinking about Anthony Bourdain and he's a chef and I'd watched his shows and my family all knew him and I well knew him from TV. <laughs> I, I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> but we and we were reading about him and I I read somewhere there was a podcast episode and I was like, what's that? And anyway, I was listening to the podcast and I thought it was so cool and I was trying to find some faith-based podcasts. And so while I was looking, I really didn't see something I was looking for. I know now better how to look, <laughs> but I just had this overwhelming desire in my heart while I was in my kitchen and thinking maybe I should start a podcast. And then we went on this family reunion and Mike's nephew, my husband's nephew in Minnesota, he said, I'll be right back. I'm going to go download my podcast. I was like, what? And so he (laughs) had like 20 something episodes and he was 16. And I thought, okay, well, if he can start a podcast, I can start a podcast. (laughs) So I started the podcast and it's called Letters from Home. And it's Everyday extraordinary faith stories, and we're I just finished finished episode twenty seven. So yeah, it's cool. been a fun journey. That's awesome. We highly encourage anybody to get that. Of course, it'll be in the show notes, but go check that out. If people want to just connect with you and uh, find out more about you and uh, and your podcast, what's the best way to do that? We have a website, lettersfromhomepodcast.com. And something really cool that just happened a couple of weeks ago is I have an app. So on the Google Play or the Apple Store, if you look under Letters From Home Podcast, you can just download the app and all the episodes are just right there on your phone just to push button away. And one thing cool more recently is my husband, Mike, I do a bonus episode and then he does a teaching moment. He was actually a pastor for a house church for about 15 years. And he, for me, is the greatest example of faith of anybody that I know. And I love that he gets to share on there and all the kids have kind of participated 
too. So I think it would be really encouraging. That is really cool. And you can get all of that. And in fact, if you just kind of thought Meg was cool, she has her own app now. So, uh, you know, she's far <laughs> above figuring out what a podcast is. She's, she's an app developer. She works with Elon Musk on getting to Mars and all these other <laughs> great accomplishments, you know. Uh, so if people just want to come by and hang out, uh, maybe on the deck or in the hot tub or something, what's your home address? Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Seattle, Washington. Come by anytime. We always have room. Ask anybody. Ask for Meg. <laughs> Just ask for Meg. They'll let you know. The Chamber of Commerce there knows exactly where she lives. Uh, awesome. Well, this has been great. Thanks so much for joining us, Meg, and uh, just sharing your story. And this will hopefully put into perspective a lot of the things we've talked about in previous episodes about marriage. And we hope to just kind of wrap it all up. But definitely go check out Meg's uh, podcast and her app and get connected and just pour a little bit more positive information and and just things into your head and your heart and, to, and your home and make it more personal purposeful. I speak for a living and I can't say that. <laughs> I guess one thought I would love to leave your listeners with, I was thinking about your podcast, Beyond the Rut. And you know, I just want to say for marriage and parenting, embrace the rut. Embrace the rut. There's so much beauty in the everyday, in the day-to-day, and it's hard to stay put. It's hard to look at that kid who's who's knocked something over again or fussy again it's hard to see your husband when you go through a season and you're not liking him you wake up and you're not liking the quirks that he has and um the day-to-day but when we stay put and really work on those things so much beauty can come out of that now if you like everything you heard in this episode be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 236 there you'll find a link to meg's website as well as her podcast app and to the Christian Podcasters Association. So if you're a Christian podcaster or you're a Christian looking to start a podcast or you're a person starting a podcast about Christianity, that'll be a great group for you to join if you're on Facebook. Now, we're so glad that you joined us this week. And the best way you can pay us back is to pay us forward. So share us with a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street and let them know, hey, this lady is sharing a great story about her 31 years of marriage. I think you'd pick up something from there. I think you'd be inspired by that. Just listen to the story. It's really inspiring. So other than that, we're glad you joined us this week. We look forward to joining you again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.